So there are certain places when you're driving, I could predict for you if you want to make a trip to North Carolina with us to see family, somewhere in South Carolina, you're going to pass a sign that's going to say, workers ahead. They're doing a lot of work on the interstate that way. Sometimes it says caution, workers ahead. Sometimes it says slow, workers ahead. And KK and I comment on that and say, yeah, because you notice there's three or four watching the two or three that are working. So it is kind of slow workers ahead. But I couldn't help but think about those signs when I thought we would do well to have one of those signs at our back door when we walk out every day, but it wouldn't say workers ahead. It would say God at work. Take time to notice. Because every day, God is working all around us, all the time. Whether we see him or not, as a matter of fact, most of his work we can't see with our human eyes. We can see his creation. We can see his order. We can see the beauty that he's established. We can worship him in his way he has set before us such an incredibly beautiful earth. My wife has to slow me down to make me notice the flowers and to make me see that. She said, you know, God just could have taken a stick, put a black ball on it, and nobody would have known any difference. But he went to all that trouble to create all those colors and, and put it in such a majestic arrangement. God is working. In the scripture, it says that the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are unseen are the eternal. Are we taking time to notice that God is at work in ways that maybe we can't see with our eyes? Do we anticipate that God is working all around me, in me, and through me all the time? Working in the lives of others, working in my heart, and desiring to use me as his vessel to work through me. We come to an account in the book of Acts in chapter 8. If you have the journalists on page 50. We come to another one of those stories. And when we, <clears throat> when we think about it. You, you have to wonder why did God want that particular event recorded. There's so many other things that could have been recorded. <clears throat> but God moving through his instrument. Dr. Luke was writing in this book of Acts, telling the story of the movement of how Jesus continued to work here on planet Earth. Even as he'd gone back into heaven, now he's working through his church. And he recorded this account of God working incredibly in the lives of two men. One was named Philip. The other was an Ethiopian eunuch. This morning, as you listen to this account, I want to challenge you to listen from one or two angles because only you know your heart. If you're a follower of Christ, listen to how he worked in and through Philip. If you're yet to put your trust in Christ, listen to how God worked in the life of that Ethiopian. In order to 
observe it. You remember how we have been reading. <clears throat> We've said that when you read this, you first look to see what does this tell me about God? And then what does this tell me about my heart? And then what should I do about it? So that's what we're going to apply. What do we see about God at work? What do we see about our heart needing to respond? And what are we going to do about it? The scripture opens with verse 26, something that doesn't happen very often to us. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, okay, the book of Acts is not intended for us to have to recreate it, but there are things we should learn about it. And notice that Philip heard the angel say, rise up and go to the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now this is a desert place and he rose and went. Let's talk about that for a minute. <clears throat> First thing I want you to notice about God at work is that Philip did not pout. He was open to what God wanted to do. Now, why did I say he didn't pout? Well, in the account right before that, Philip was the one that went down and the revival started when he went to Samaria and started preaching the gospel. Now, he was just a deacon, okay? <laughs> he was just an average guy. He wasn't one of the apostles. And so when they got word that God was doing something, they sent a couple of the apostles down and the story switches from talking about God using Philip to how God started using the apostles. Now, if that had been, I'll go ahead and say me, <laughs> one of us, we would have had the tendency to want to pout. Now, now wait a minute. I, I came down here and all this started. <clears throat> Why did you come down here and take over and move me out of the way? Don't you think that God can use me? But there's no account. What It fascinates me that there's no account of Philip doing anything until this next verse when he heard from the angel to go. And notice where he was going. He was leaving a revival where a lot of people were putting their trust in Christ and he was being sent to a desert road. And he volunteers for that, okay? Let's go leave someplace where we see God doing all kinds of things and let's go somewhere where we don't even know if we'll see any people. This morning we could talk about that desert road. We could talk about the design because there's lots of history written about the road that made its way from Jerusalem back across the Gaza area down to make its way into Egypt. But here's what we observe. Philip was open. Can we just stop there and ask you, followers of Christ, are you open today? Is your heart open for God to maybe do something else in your life or use you somewhere else? Are your hands open or are you clinging to the things that you have or are you laying them down before the Lord? Worship is supposed to be a time when we come before the Lord and we say, Lord, here I am. Remember how it's recorded in Romans 12? 
that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service of worship. Philip was open to the Lord. The next thing I notice is that Philip obeyed the Lord. Did you catch it? <clears throat> the same words are repeated when it says, rise up and go, and he rose up and went. He didn't question. He didn't argue. He went to the desert place. He obeyed. Can we talk just a minute about the word obedience? It's not in the text, but it's surely implied by what he did. <clears throat> the word obey in the original language is made up of two words. Very picturesque. One word is the word hupa, which means to be under, like under a, if you can picture an umbrella, to be under. And the, the root word is the word akuo, which means to hear. So you put those together, and it's like hearing up under. Now, when we hear under the authority of the Lord Jesus and tell him we want to honor him and do whatever he tells us to do, then we can respond, and we'll keep hearing him. But what happens when he talks to us, and we sense he's wanting us to do something, and we don't do it? All of a sudden, we don't hear anymore because we're not in the hearing place Oh, what a great lesson to learn from Philip. He was open to the Lord, and he quickly obeyed when it made no sense to go to a desert road. Could I get some suntan lotion, Lord? Could I, could I get my hat first? Can, can you promise me that there will be some water along the way? I, I mean, I'm just amazed. But, of course, I didn't see an angel either, all right? I don't know if he got it when he was asleep or, or how the angel of the Lord came to him. But an angel came, he obeyed, he went. Those are my first two observations. But then I observed something else that's really fascinating. The timing of where he went and what happened next. Notice how the scripture reads. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, reading the prophet Isaiah. Let's stop for just a minute and talk about this guy. Ethiopian as a eunuch. I love to look at geography and see the flow and movement of people. Ethiopia today has some of the most beautiful people on the planet. Uh, they, they have such a blend of certain African heritage and some European type heritage and, and their coloring and their facial features, just phenomenal, beautiful people. This Ethiopia probably covered either a little more land than what we have in Ethiopia today or maybe not even exactly the same place, just referring to a region. Notice that this guy was a relatively important guy. He was treasurer. He was the minister of finance. He had gone to Jerusalem, but not on a financial mission, but on a personal mission of going there to worship. 
He was in charge of everything of Candace the queen. And for those of you that are Bible students and wonder, it doesn't mean that that was her name. If you study in history, when you call Pharaoh the, the head dude, you would call Candace the queen, all right? So that, that's who he was. She was a leader of a region of a country, and he was in charge of her money. So chances are he was not in the chariot alone. He probably had quite an entourage with him. But notice he had gone to Jerusalem to worship. I heard a pastor one time preach this text, and he entitled his sermon, Leaving Church Disappointed. Because this eunuch had gone down to Jerusalem, and we won't take time to go into all the detail now, but a Gentile, especially a eunuch, could not make his way into the full participation of the worship there in Jerusalem. He was... A, a sense of an outsider or one that was couldn't quite get his way in but now he's going home and he's still searching he had gone there to worship but he left there without any answers I don't know if he picked up the scroll while he was there but he left there and he's moving down the road and he's reading the prophet Isaiah I love the way the Brits say Isaiah sounds so much better than what we say but he was reading from Isaiah all right and as he's reading how did he know he was reading because it was not uncommon to read aloud sometimes do you have to read aloud it helps you pay attention sometimes if you know if you're trying to read your Bible and you're having trouble focusing, stand up, walk around, read aloud. It's all right. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. But the point on the screen is the timing. Think about it. Philip, at just the right place, at just the right time, encountering someone reading aloud at just the right time, Hearing him reading, responding to the Spirit, the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now, maybe this is a good time to stop and apply this to mine, your life. We're, we're probably not going to always hear some kind of audible voice telling us, but I promise you, if we pay attention to the people we encounter, we will at times be amazed at what we see in their face and what we hear in their little comments that God is working in their life. I love to be a little edgy. It almost feels like you have to push yourself in a restaurant when you say, hey, we're about to pray over this food. So you say to the person helping you, is there something we could pray for you? And watch the response. That'll make a lot of money. Everything would go well. But sometimes they'll say, my mom's really sick. I've got some real problems at home. I'll never forget the night. Her name's Farah. She was waiting on our table, and it was just KK and I on her date. And she said, i got a lot of things going on in my life because you just pray for me that I could figure out if God's trying to do something in my life. And we said, sure, be glad to. And be glad to talk to you sometime. And so we prayed for her. She went around working. In a little while, we were getting toward the end of our meal. She came over and said, I asked him, could I have a few minutes off? And she slid into the place right there with me and KK. What a great moment to talk to her about knowing Christ and how she could trust in Christ, and she did. 
it was quite a joy to baptize her sometime later in our church. The timing was just incredible. Oh, if we could just see that God is working in people's lives. And sometimes just the very mention of a problem or a trouble or trying to figure something out is a great opportunity for us to respond because God is working around me, in me, and wanting to work through me all the time. The timing of him getting there was extremely fascinating. So the Spirit said to Philip, verse 29, go over and join this chariot. So he did. I'm glad it was Philip. I'm not sure I could have kept pace or uh, at least asked him to stop before I got up in the chariot, all right? But he ran over. He got up next to the chariot. He, he heard what he was reading, and he said to him, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Make sure you get the point. Philip just said, hey, can you figure out what that is you're reading? The, the insight I want us to notice is that we can ask questions sometimes. And asking those questions will put us right into a position to talk with someone about what's going on in their life. Just like, what well, can we pray for you at the meal? But, hey, what's your story? It's one of our most loved questions around here. Hey, tell me your story. People start to tell the story, what part you want to hear, any part you want to tell, all right? But when you start talking with someone about their story, you will either hear them interject something about how God has been working in their lives or questions that they may have. And as Philip approached the chariot, he simply asked a question. Hey, do you know what you're reading? And the eunuch I mean, pretty important dude, okay? Said, nope, can't figure it out. Is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? Notice the scripture tells us where in Isaiah he was reading. The passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The eunuch, a man yet to follow Christ, said, So, who's he talking about? Himself or someone else? You know, sometimes we, we think a little too much of ourselves when we encounter someone like Pharaoh that night. It wasn't KK and I and what we did that night. It was what God had already been doing long before that night. How God had already been putting a hunger in her heart. How God had already been helping her see that what she was doing was not working. How as she responded to all those things and the struggle that was taking place, she was prepared. 
You see, God had been preparing her for that very moment. And God had prepared us for that moment as well. So here's my question for you. Can you notice that God is working in people's lives long before you get there and he's going to be working long after you've gone? And can you arrest the moment by asking questions and making sure that you see how he has prepared them and now you look and see how he has prepared you? Here's a point I'd like to make. Notice Philip's response. The eunuch said to him in verse 34, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. You see, Philip was prepared to give an answer. And he had prepared before that day to explain the truth about Jesus. I want to ask you this morning if you're identifying with the eunuch because you're yet to follow Jesus. Could it be that God prepared you for this very moment? The scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. So there's a day coming for you. But could this be your very day where the scripture says today is the day of salvation now is the acceptable time could this be the day if you're identifying with the eunuch not following Jesus that God has prepared you for this very moment and this is your moment to respond but if you're identifying this morning with Philip let me ask you about your preparation if someone said to you can you tell me how to have a relationship with God? Would you know what to say? Maybe your response to the message this morning is, I'm going to leave here today and make sure I know how to tell someone to become a follower of Christ. We've, we've got a little booklet out there in the, in the foyer that we'll show you after the service that you can take with you and you can read through it and it might help you explain to someone how to follow Christ. Philip was prepared, and I want you to notice what he did. When he asked him, who's he talking about, himself or somebody else? Look at verse 36. Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. What is this good news about Jesus? It's a word we use a lot, maybe too often, because we don't t always stop and explain it. It's the word gospel. The word gospel is packed with all kinds of meaning. It literally means the good announcement. That's why it's called the good news, the good message. But listen, if the good news is good, it's because the bad news is bad. <laughs> because we can't save ourselves. No matter how much we try to do good things, we can't make up for a single sin. But the Bible says that God made a way that we could give him our sin and he would give us his righteousness. Right about the same place he was reading, Isaiah wrote, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. But God laid on Jesus the sin of us all. And so right at this point, describing who the prophet was talking about, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. What is the good news about Jesus? He came into this world miraculously. 
We have trouble with things we can't explain scientifically. But there's a whole lot about life and eternity. If we're honest, we cannot explain. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. And when he died, he didn't die for himself. He died for our sin. And God put it all on him. And when he went to the grave, God gave his stamp of approval by raising Jesus up from the grave. And now he forever lives to prove that the payment was made in full. So Philip, starting right there with the place where he was, which, by the way, that's always a good place for you to start with someone. Figure out where they are in the journey and find a way to talk to them from there about Jesus. He was prepared and he told him the good news. Then, what happened next? Verse 36 says, They were going along the road and they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? I've got a whole lot of questions about that response. First, had Philip told him that he was supposed to respond and get baptized? I don't know. I don't know as he was proclaiming the good news, if he told what Jesus said when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, uh, teaching them baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you I don't know if that was part of his explanation of the good news it was always the response of the good news in the New Testament that the people who would put their trust in Christ wanted to be baptized I don't know I don't know if I don't know where the water came from it was a desert road I don't know if they just found themselves just to the place where there was a predictable watering hole as they made their way down to the Gaza Strip. I don't know. I've got all kinds of questions about this. But I do have some answers from the stuff that, I, that even I can't ask, answer all those questions. When the eunuch heard that Jesus died for his sin, he wanted to follow him. And he responded by saying, let me follow him now. Now, we have a baptismal pool up here. We put water in it, and people come and say, I'm a follower of Christ. And we put them down into the water to show that they were identifying with the death of Jesus. We raise them up from the water to show that they're identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. And you'll notice that the scripture says that they went down into the water the chariot stopped both of them went down into the water I don't want to argue the Baptist point of view I just happen to believe it's right okay they were immersed they went down into the water and Philip and the eunuch and then the scripture says he baptized him and they came up out of the water okay the response today if you are a follower of Christ and you've never given this testimony through the waters of baptism, I invite you to make that decision today. You can check on the card that you want us to follow up. Take another card and put on there that you want us to follow up with you and talk to you about that public profession of your faith of being baptized as a follower of Jesus. The response of Philip was to help him. Now, 
for those of you that are paying close attention to your Bibles, I want you to know that you can always trust your Bible, but you can't always trust how man has translated and put the Bible here together. Because if you're looking at page 50, I want you to follow something with me. Look down at the bottom of page 50. It says, as in verse 36, as they were going along the road. Do you see that? Then look, verse 38, and he commanded him to stop the chariot. Where's verse 37? Huh? Did they make a mistake numbering it? Mm, no. Here's what happened. In some of your older English translations, you will find a verse 37. And that older English translation will contain verse 37, which he's, he makes the common profession of their day that he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was the Son of God. But in the more accurate, older Greek text, that particular verse is not found. And so translators trying to be as careful as they can to give us the most accurate translation in English from the most accurate Greek text. Don't be afraid of your Bible. Don't be afraid of textual criticism. Don't be afraid of going back and trying to figure out how we have this Bible in our hands. It wasn't written in English first, okay? Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about why that verse was inserted, but I will say this. There is a common profession of faith, and it is this. I know I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. I believe that he was raised from the dead to give me eternal life, and I want him to come into my life and change me from the inside out. I put my trust in him as my Savior and my Savior alone. I told you when we started, you would either identify with the eunuch who needs to become a follower of Christ or with Philip, the follower who knew how to explain the message of Christ. So now I bring you right back to the question where we started. Are you willing to anticipate that God is at work around you, in you, and through you every day? This is such a fascinating story to me. To see the careful of working of God as the movement started. It says in verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, but he went on his way rejoicing. Hey, that's what happens when you come to know Christ. You go on your way rejoicing. And all the stuff that feels like it's changed forever when you first come to know Christ is true. And all the problems that you may go through even after you become a follower of Christ, when you get alone, you know that no matter what happens to you circumstantially or relationally, nobody can take you out of the Father's hand and nobody can take Jesus out of your heart. He's always there and his peace will always be there and through it all, through it all, you can say, it is well with my soul.
God is at work today. He's at work around you. He's at work in this room. He wants to change you to make you like Jesus. And he needs, well, that's not exactly true. He desires, he wants, his plan is to include you as a Christ follower to become a vessel where you can be something that he uses like he used Philip that day to tell someone else how they can be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you ought to print it up and put it on the door as you start to walk out. Careful. Slow down. Notice God at work. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for giving us your word. And we thank you for how your word works. It's not our cleverness. It's not our ability to convince anyone. It's not our explanation. But it's the truth of who Jesus is. He's the one who changes our lives. So Lord, give us freedom and peace to know that we don't have to know all the answers to tell someone else that they can know Jesus. And Father, I pray for anyone in this room today who may yet to be a follower of Christ that today would be the day they put their trust in you. In Jesus' name. Would you look this way? We created this Connect card just to give you a chance to respond like a time like this. If we already have your information, you can just write your name at the top and we'll know that it's you. But if you've never been before and you'd like to tell us how we can follow up with you, put that in. But notice it says, I'd like more information about baptism, church membership, or any kind of prayer request. Today, if you want to become a follower of Christ now, I want to lead you in a prayer one more time before we sing so that you can put your trust in Jesus. If you want to put that on the card and bring it to me, even while we sing, you can do that. Or if you want to put it in the basket at the back as you leave, or hand it to me or Johnny as you leave. We can do that. So pray with me one more time. And if today God is at work in your life, and now you are wanting to know the truth about how to be a follower of Jesus, you can pray this simple prayer. God, I don't understand it all, but I know that I've sinned, and I believe Jesus is the Savior. So I take my trust from my good works, and I lay it down, and I put my trust in Jesus to be my salvation would you come and live inside of me and change me from the inside out and I will follow you here on earth all the days of my life and live with you forever in heaven in Jesus name I pray amen